0: and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are talking about Catholic schools. So let's
1: get started. Hey Lindsay, again, it's always a pleasure and being able to simply take some time and reflect with you on on different topics that that we have uh, concerning the Catholic Church. One of the things that I I did want to be able to reflect on for at least a little bit was the whole aspect of Catholic schools. Um, It certainly is part of our tradition in lots of different ways. It is, um, they've been around for a long time, although not forever in a sense. (laughs) And there's part of the history of that. They have added a lot. There have been serious criticisms of them, sometimes rightly so, uh, and, and yet sometimes uh, not rightly so. Um, they have done a lot of good for a lot of people. Uh, again, we've had a long history in our diocese and in the United States particularly. Um, but, they, but they go back to our history a, a very long time. And I think that there is a value here that sometimes is, is overlooked. And, and I just wanted to have an opportunity. Uh, our school just started on about the, what, the 31st of, of August, 30th, the 30th, I, think. I believe, of August. Yeah. And uh, so I was going to do this a while back, but because of uh, vacations and such, we weren't able to get it in. But I did, again, I did want to take a little time just to talk a little bit about them. Uh, first, part of the history in the United States with Catholic schools, and um, I mean, it used to be in the 60s and such, schools where you had hundreds and hundreds of children in, in, in schools, classrooms of, you know, 60 plus students.
0: You see the pictures and you're like, I'm pretty sure yeah. that's against fire code. but
1: <laughs> Yes, uh, you had uh, hundreds of sisters, you know, from religious orders. Uh, teaching in these classrooms some did well some not so well uh, and and part of that I you know when you start to Discover some of the history of this is that there were literally literally some of the religious orders that you had a, a young lady graduate from high school and That next year she was put in as a teacher to teach 60 kids with no training none if she were lucky maybe her mom or her sisters or aunts or grandparents, grandmothers usually, uh, had taught school. Uh, I look at my own part of my history, and I come from a long background of teachers, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, uh, aunts, um, I have a sister that was a classroom teacher for many, many years, and then a principal for many, many years, is that if you were lucky you had someone like that that could share with you information or expertise. If you were not lucky, hopefully you had some natural talent. If you didn't have that going for you, you probably reverted back to discipline and God knows where that led and a lot of times not such a good place. The fact is, is that we have a, a, a long history and there is some of the the dark side of that history which we can't deny, and for us to do so is to repeat mistakes and to deny uh, part of the uh, responsibility that we have for some things that were done wrongly. But there was also a lot of good that came from that. There were a lot of uh, religious orders that did train their young women that were coming through the the pipeline, you might say, as postulants, as novices, as eventually being professed, professed. Is that they had years of training if not college then at least some of the teacher schools that were out there where you would get a certificate and but they gave you some of the basic skills not to mention times were different you know there was a uh, you would never as you put mentioned put 60 kids in the classroom (laughs) today and expect a teacher to somehow to teach that that grade alone um But, you know, part of it is because kids are different, we're different, teaching is different. We've discovered a lot of things. As I mentioned, a lot of good happened and, and we learned also from our mistakes. Uh, part of the history of Catholic schools in the United States, anyway, is that it grew out of the uh, 1800s, particularly when the Irish started coming over because of the Great Potato Famine in Ireland is that you had hundreds and thousands of of Irish who, by the way, were not very well received as those immigrants. They were often referred to as papists because of the Pope or mackerel snappers because of eating fish on Friday and Wednesdays Mm -hmm. at that time. So there were a lot of derogatory names that were used against those immigrants. Sounds Um, like
0: that happens to immigrants all the time. Yep,
1: pretty much so. Not a whole lot has changed in that regard. So as a consequence, and again, part of this creativity of the church, as a consequence, um, many Irish were not allowed to go to public schools. They were simply not allowed. And so the church, as the church wants to do sometimes, they decided to create (laughs) their own school system. And literally, they did. (laughs) Um they and and that school system in many ways for a long, long time rivaled what anyone could receive in a public school. Hmm. Um is that uh there was an expectation over the years that if you were part of a Catholic church, that you sent your children to Catholic school, you had to get your pastor's permission not to. Um many of those schools were free in the beginning. Uh Or they were very, very cheap. Um, And even today, though, there are some churches, parishes today. uh, I do not believe in our diocese, but they are uh, free to the children of the parish. Um, That's the dream. That's the dream, yes. Uh, And I think it's a good dream, you know, part of it being the responsibility that the church at the time, and again, going back to the 1800s, not only of making sure that you know children had education because education was seen as as the gateway to so much more is that but even more so of being able to pass on the faith tradition that idea that every single parish had a responsibility and in fact there were a lot of these small small churches that that we have today that had uh, catholic schools some of them, you know, very, very tiny. But nonetheless, there was an expectation of people to make sure that they, you know, provided for the education, both spiritual education and academic education for the kids of their church. Uh, I did not go to a Catholic school, not in grade school, because there was none close. Uh, the, The closest Catholic school that was in our area was about 15 or 20 miles away and so it was simply not possible mm-hmm. and otherwise if if you if you had a Catholic school and you didn't send your kids there for a long time it was considered a sin and you had to have permission by your pastor oh, gosh. not to send your kids there for whatever reason it might have been and a lot of times there were arrangements worked out with parents so that they could send their kids there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea was is that there was an expectation and a responsibility that you had to send your kids to a Catholic school. There was, uh, we had a lot of good teachers. Uh, many of them, as you would know, many were uh, religious, uh, either from uh, brothers, or clergy, depending upon what years you were in?
0: Yes, I did not have any.
1: Okay. Uh, There were religious sisters. I know in Holy Angels that for a long time religious sisters taught here.
0: Still before my time. Um,
1: It's interesting that (laughs) one. Still before your time. (laughs) It's interesting how um, the St. Ed's, where I started, they still had three or four sisters, uh, Racine Dominicans, that were teaching in the school at that time and a couple of other places. They still had religious teaching. High schools uh, oftentimes had teachers teaching there a longer period of time. Uh, But part of that is our own fault in the sense that part of the history of our Catholic schools (laughs) is that we did not pay people well and we did not pay sisters. A lot of times sisters were no more than slave labor. Um, They were treated very poorly and being compensated for the tremendous, tremendous work they did where they were compensated. Well, oftentimes they were teaching a lot longer where they were not. A lot of times they said, we just can't work under these conditions. And the sad part was, is that sometimes a lot of times church leadership saw no problem with not paying very much or compensating very much. Yeah, there's just a lot of our history. And the other piece, too, was that when you look at the 60s, and I would say probably more 70s, when religious started to, um, as they did in, in priesthood, men and women started to leave active ministry. One of the reasons that sometimes folks would join seminaries and convents was because it was your ability to get an education. Where else in those years, particularly for women, could you go to a university and become a doctor, become you know, an academic, become a PhD, become is that there was a lot of prejudice against women uh, in those years. And it was oftentimes uh, starting through religious orders That women were able to become doctors and lawyers and professionals, uh, professional teachers, (laughs) where they were able to advance and use the brains and the skills that God had given them. To do that on your own, one, you either couldn't afford it or you simply weren't going to get in because of the tremendous, tremendous prejudice and discrimination against uh, women, particularly during that time. Also, if you didn't have a lot of money, is that there were a lot of guys that came from farms or very poor backgrounds. And the only way you were going to get an advanced degree or education was either to go in tremendously into debt, which most of you couldn't, or you were going to join a seminary and get a start at least that way. Is that why you joined? No, um, that's not why I joined, okay. actually. Was it a... Was it a uh, an opportunity to get off the farm? Yes, it was. <laughs> but it wasn't because I didn't like the farm. Um, you know, I loved cows. They were big, furry, fuzzy, warm. and, and Furry good to, and fuzzy. Yeah, they were good don't to work I've with. I don't think
0: I've ever heard a cow described that way.
1: <laughs> they were good to work with. I just knew that I wasn't going to do that every day of my life, or I didn't want to. So I entered the seminary, not because you know I wanted to be a priest. It was it that it was a doorway for me for continuing education. I always loved academics, even when I was a kid. I loved to study. I loved to read. My brother, who was a very bright man, didn't like school that much, and he would do just about anything he could not to have to go. Um, he was very smart in lots of ways and very bright when it came to mechanics and all sorts of things like that. He's much better at that than I am. But I was an academic, and, and that is something that I realized, you know, way before, you know, I ever got to high school. And so, yeah, that was a doorway for me to be, to go into, uh, into academics more. Priesthood became something later on that I... I kind of grew in love with, sure. but uh, certainly was not not the. So you went
0: was... in junior high or high school to start.
1: High school, Hi. That was your first. I literally went right from eighth grade into uh, into awesome. high school.
0: Interesting, and I did K through eight at Holy Angels, and then public high school.
1: Okay, public high school, and then you went to uh, university, Catholic uh, university.
0: First, I went to Viterbo for two years in lacrosse. Okay, and then. Catholic Catholic in D.C., yeah.
1: So you have had a good chunk of your education Mm -hmm. is, you know, Catholic education. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's something to just, you can just, is it what value have you found as you've continued to grow, (laughs) mature? (laughs) Have you seen it as a value that that you said, yeah, that was really worthwhile? Now, obviously, any Catholic college is not cheap. There's no no question. Still um, paying that one off. Yes. <laughs> um, and it took me a while to pay my own seminary off, too, is that we, we did have to pay some of that back. Uh, but certainly not, not to the degree that you would have had to uh, pay yeah. things back. So, But um, any thoughts that you have that...
0: Well, I, I appreciated going to a Catholic uh, university just because there was that built-in Catholic community. Where i know lots of people talk about how during college they fell away from their faith a little sure, bit and sure. it was a time you know at viterbo and at catholic in dc it was there were those communities that i mean and of course it was like any college where people wouldn't go to church or oh. wouldn't you know just went because the sure. education was good um but i appreciated that and i liked singing in the choirs and i think that <laughs> Honestly, before I went to college, I sang a little bit at church, but I didn't sing much. So it was after that, that I came back in like the summers and stuff that I would start singing more. So I guess that influenced me quite a bit.
1: (laughs) Well, when you think about it, you know, they talk about Catholic grade school and such. Mm -hmm. Do you find that there are things that, that maybe something that you took with you from grade school and said, you know, this was a value or this was something that and maybe not. I mean, sometimes people have those things that say, yeah, you know, this is something that I really found that I took with me from grade school on.
0: Not that I remember much, you know, nothing that sticks out. Mm-hmm. I just liked that I didn't have to go to religious ed classes. You know, you didn't have to do extra <laughs> class where once you got to high school, then you had to go to extra classes. And it was kind of like, come on. Um, <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, I loved going to Holy Angels.
1: Did you go there all eight grades? Yep, K
0: through eight. K through eight. Yep, Yep. there was no K-5 through eight, I should say. There was no K-4, I don't think, when I started. Um, So yeah, and my class was the smallest at the time, and we had 39, I think. Oh, wow. 39 or 40, and that was the smallest. Now that would be huge.
1: Oh, you'd have to split it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we two. were. Yeah. Every every class when I was there had two classes, yeah. classrooms, grades. Yeah. So that was the fun part about going to, um, you know, open house day at the beginning of the year because you never knew which teacher right. you got.
1: Oh, okay. You had to okay. go. You
0: went and found out who's the teacher you have, what class are you in, who's in your class. So exciting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Didn't have any of that experience. We didn't have a kindergarten. And, uh, you know, so it was, uh, we had a, you know, a four-room grade school. I think there were oh 80, 80 students in the entire grade school.
0: But this was a public school, This was right? a
1: public school. And um, I remember in one of my classes, what, of the 6th and 7th grade or so, that of the 15 that were in the class, 7 were my first cousins. <laughs> It was a small public school, you know, and, and very very much a rural rural school. Um, we did go to uh, the classes, the formation classes, although usually not too much during the year, as much as during the summer. Oh, really? We had uh, summer school for a while mm. in order to catch up on those things that we might have missed. You might
0: have lacked a little bit.
1: Yeah, lacked in there. Um, but it's you know. Part of this is that even though a school, a a parish may not have um, had a school, and and there were plenty of those that that didn't, is that there was seen as that responsibility by the Catholic community to make sure that you know folks were educated, students were educated well, mm-hmm. and and even the influence oftentimes that you had. I remember one of the parishes that I was the pastor of, in the public school, I would venture to say close to half of the teachers in the local public school were part of the parish. <laughs> I knew there was a whole lot of evangelizing and religious education being taught in those classrooms. You know. On the down low. On the down low. Um And the influence that these teachers had because of the responsibility that they saw in themselves that whether these children may or may not have gone to church, Mm -hmm. and depending upon the age level, you know, of, of making it always age appropriate, is that there was this responsibility of making sure that they helped these young people have a sense of values, a sense of morals, a sense of... Of what's right and wrong and they may not have placed it in terms of what was Catholic or not but you knew for a fact that it was it was there mm-hmm. it was part and parcel of how they taught and what they taught um, so you know in a, in a way and many of these mostly women of course many of these women went to Catholic schools themselves when they were in grade school, Mm -hmm. went to Catholic colleges, uh, teaching colleges a lot of different times, Uh, the areas, you know, um, Mount Mary, you know, uh, Alverno, um, Cardinal stretch, you know, whatever it might be, is that there was a tremendous, tremendous influence of Catholic education, you know, in the culture. And sometimes we can forget that when you look at our history, since literally Catholic schools began, you look at our history and the powerful influence that Catholicism, and I would say maybe even more so Christianity, that how that becomes part of the moral, the moral fiber that is woven into a culture. Mm-hmm. And some of the discussions that have been taking place now uh, when, when things like, uh, that are being discussed are, what happens when that fiber, moral fiber, is no longer part of the culture? What happens when it is perceived that, that everything is just kind of up for grabs? Uh, what does a society? What does a culture base their, you know, base their laws on, base their, acceptable behaviors on. It used to be Christianity. Uh, and I would even say, you know, to a greater degree, depending upon where you look at places like Chicago, and you know, some of these other very Catholic cities, I would say that the the fibers that held it together were really the Catholic ethic, mm-hmm. uh, that type of thing. When that is no longer there, what do you base it in? It's one of the things then that I see the need for, for example, for us as human beings to look at where do our religious roots come from. And when you look at the three big monotheistic religions, you know, a Muslim or Islam, I should say, uh, um, Judaism and Christianity, I mean, they all start from common roots. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, as, you know, if we can never stop fighting one another, is that it's going to be something like that that will begin to be the fiber, not the specifically of one, but of the common that will help, you know, us to, to look at saying, we got to keep, stop killing each other, you know. And so I look at some of that and saying that there's, the, the, part of that history of Catholic education, the history of, of both, you know, of the then and the now can make a huge difference in being able to help, um, you know, shape and mold, you know, some of the, uh, the, some of the frameworks that people come out of, that um, we are able to, to recognize how, you know, we can build a culture or a society with one another And it doesn't mean we all have to believe the same thing, because we are quickly becoming a universal, you know, in many ways, a universal culture, universal church. And, you know, when people at times will say, well, Roman Catholicism has always been this way. And it's like, no, you don't know your church history. And, and I have said to any number of groups, the only thing that's ever been always is probably Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and that's probably where it stops. one you, thing
0: everyone can, well, Catholics, just Christian about can yeah, agree yeah, on, Just yeah. about,
1: uh, because when it comes to practices, when it comes to cultural expressions, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to even the Eucharistic cell, there has been all sorts of, variations on a theme, you might say. Mm -hmm. Common threads that certainly run through it. But variations enough that there are times when I would say or can say to a person, you go to Europe or you go wherever, here or there, and you might be hard-pressed to recognize what is Catholic or not. What do you mean? He said, because it's not the expression of Catholicism that you are used to. It's culturally... You know, put in a framework, it is songs, uh, ritual, uh, position, posture, all of those things. And it's hopefully, as we begin to grow and understand a little bit more about our church history, is that we begin to look at that and saying, wow, I didn't know that this was a part of it. And that's part of the reasons why even these podcasts, is that how much people just don't know about whether it's their church history where it comes from, the whys and the wherefores. And once one begins to know and understand, then one can have a much greater appreciation, unless you want to put yourself in a box and stay there, is that one will have a greater appreciation that the way another person is different than I am. They're not bad necessarily or good. They're different than I am. And so their expression is different not necessarily bad or good
0: maybe that's what Catholic schools need to start teaching
1: well the history
0: of the Catholic school
1: <laughs> you know I think sometimes we could do better with that um, rather than simply you know somehow um, thinking that that our expression is the only expression mm-hmm. there are times when I think that we could put in some of those pieces and 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 say that you know there are lots of variations on the theme here. Um, you know, just something simple that you know. All churches have kneelers. You go to Europe, you won't find a kneeler. That's an American thing.
0: You go to America, you won't find kneelers in some places. Well, that's
1: true, but you'll find a whole lot <laughs> more than you find yes. in Europe.
0: Yes.
1: You know, you go to St. Peter's Basilica, and they don't have kneelers. How can they be Catholic? It's St. Peter's Basilica, first <laughs> of all. You know, it's it's that that is more of an American thing than a European thing. You know, it's just it's recognizing that 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 these kinds of things, I think, could help us appreciate uh, the value that that our Catholic education can bring, because then it can be translated in lots of other ways that and, and sometimes you I've had opportunities to travel different places. And what's so sad, at times hard to hear when somebody will be in another country and they'll look at something that. Maybe is very common to us is it, that, well that's dumb, why don't they do it this way? And you just want to say, Excuse me, they look at our way and say, Well, that's mm-hmm. dumb, why don't they do it our way? Is that it's not about being dumb. Things are done differently. It's about appreciating that, whether it's a cultural type of thing, or whether it's a faith type of thing, or whether it's a school type of thing.
0: Sure. Well, and as you're talking, I'm you know, you're asking me about any what I brought through school whatever and mm-hmm. I, again there, there's nothing specific about school but when i grew up school age to fifth grade i lived on a street that had maybe 10 houses on it maybe 15 and three of no five of those families at least went to holy angels parish oh, okay. and three of us three houses went to the school. So we were riding the bus every day, you know, so I didn't have that experience of being the only one in the neighborhood or whatever, going to a different school and then coming, like we were together all the time. And then when we moved, when I was in fifth grade, we moved next door to a family that also went to Holy Angels. So it's always been around. So maybe that's more to do with, neighbors and knowing your neighbors and your community how we don't i feel like we don't do that much anymore maybe it's just me i don't know well
1: i would i would tend to agree you know at times we got things got so big we law lo- we all became anonymous mm-hmm. as opposed to sometimes the smaller groups and how we identified as even to this day in chicago areas how you identify an area by a parish rather than by you know, streets, if I belong to so and so parish, rather than, you know, on, on a particular street or whatever, is that there was that sense of community. And and part of it is just cultures change. And, and we get that. But part of it, too, is that we, we can begin to lose part of the smallness um, where we did know each other mm-hmm. and where you did have a sense. Now, as much as sometimes I joke about you know, my my small, you know, public grade school is that it was all family. That was our world. That was our world. And the rest of the world really didn't exist because we all pretty much were on farms. Uh, most of us were probably related somewhere along the line. Um, you went to church and your small community grocery store and stuff like that. It was all connected. And it's when we lose some of that connectedness, you know, um, this is a, might be a strange diversion here, but <laughs> I remember one of the times that one of my classmates who was ordained with me, he called me up and said, uh, Howard, uh, I have a funeral in a few days. I have never been to a funeral. And I said to him, you mean you've never had a funeral as a priest? He said, no, Howard, I have never been to a funeral.
0: How did he make it through seminary without ever going to a funeral?
1: I don't know. You know, this guy was in his late 20s. He had never been to a funeral. My experience, because of the smaller community, I had been going to funerals since I could remember as a, as a very tiny child. One, I can remember the parties, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that people gathered in the homes because everybody knew each other. And, and, and the sad part sometimes when we become estranged from one another where there is this anonymity. I no longer am invested in another person's life in the same way. You know, it's like, I really don't care what happens over there. But we all did because all of us were somehow connected. We all needed each other. And, and I think that here again is part of the fiber of what is taught so often with you know, the Catholic schools was how much we need one another. Mm-hmm. Now, are there examples where that wasn't happening? Sure, there are. And we, we all know that, or I should say we all know that, necessarily know those. Uh, there are bad examples as well. There are good examples. Uh, but it's, it's recognizing that if this is to continue to have an influence, then we need to keep some of those principles and some of the values that we have as Catholic schools that help us to add to that fiber, that moral fiber, those values, that framework that help us to stay connected and help us, in a sense, take care in, of one mm-hmm. another. Sometimes, you know, I know the, the issue sometimes, you know, has been talked about of the choice program, you know, as far as that goes. And I've been with parishes that have both been part of choice and others that have not to me you know it's it's you can go either way i mean there is there are values on both sides of that issue it's important that it's talked about thoroughly and it's important that that there is a an honest and open discussion that if one chooses that is that we need to make sure we know what why are we choosing what we're choosing there are good reasons to let's say go for that option and there are not so good reasons. It, you know, choosing different options can add to losing your identity as a Catholic school. Or choosing an option can give you as a Catholic school an opportunity to strengthen what you are about mm-hmm. and how we can offer that, you know, to the world around us. So there are lots of different possibilities when it comes to those important questions about the value, and again, I, I have seen it been done. It has been done well, and I have seen also where it has not been done so well. Um, the issue should—I I would say—the issue should never be money. Never. Uh, that is all the wrong reasons, you know. Because then you well, and, and part of that is you can't worship, you know, God and Mammon at the same time. If the issue is only money, then you will probably. You, I would say definitely, you'll lose your focus. And you will lose why you do what you do because it will always be the money. Mm -hmm. As opposed to are we able to share with others some of the values and and core values that we as a church have that are worth keeping no matter who you are and can be applicable no matter what church you espouse or the God you worship. Um, So there's a tremendous value that I believe Catholic schools have.
0: Yeah, I think the smaller communities with the Catholic schools are really what I enjoyed—not mm-hmm. not having so many people, but having those small groups. And I think that's why I ended up at Catholic colleges, not because they were Catholic, but I wanted to go to smaller schools, mm-hmm. and those were yeah, that, smaller that,
1: schools. Yeah. And and you can and there are values in that. Mm-hmm. You know, there are values in in a place that has you know forty thousand students, in a place that has. You know, eleven hundred, mm-hmm. you know, or two thousand or three thousand. Um, there are tremendous values there, and and to be able to look at those and saying how how does that somehow add to the whole experience to the whole to the whole thing. When I think about it, it's like oh gosh, I, um, I when I think of the schools I went to, obviously a public grade school, uh, seminary high school, seminary college, seminary grad school. I never have never gone to a school with more than like 300 students. Total, total. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
1: Yeah, and they wonder why I'm as weird as I am. <laughs> but it has an influence you know of, of what you do, how you interact, what you expect. Uh, now there is a part of me that wished I had gone to a huge university. There is a piece that that somehow is in ways, you know that, it's maybe it's better that I didn't. But there's a part that I thrive and love the, the interaction with all sorts of possibilities and experiences. Um, that is just part of my personality. Um, so what would that have done to me? Who knows? May or may not have dissuaded me to be a priest who, who never can tell. Um, moot question, but there's a difference. There's a difference. And, well, each and that's that
0: so different because different. I've gone to you know public school elementary school and then college and they were all over yeah 400 plus so all of my schools have been large compared to yours yeah that's
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh it's not the truth yeah. yeah weird but it's so it's there's there's a lot we can learn I think and and there's a value there yeah um, I understand that for lots of places there are hard decisions that need to be made. I get all of that. Been there, done that, have been part of that. It's not fun and sometimes the hard decisions whether closing a program, they have to be made. And and that's never easy. Because whenever you do that, it's not just about it's not just about closing a school. It's bigger than that it's about losing something in many ways it's about losing a piece of who you are uh-huh. whether you had kids there or not it's about losing a piece of who you are and and, and whenever you do that you mourn that loss um, because that piece when missing you know you 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 realize it and you realize that one can be somewhat less because of it because that experience will no longer be there or it's no longer going to be available for future generations
0: which just means that school was important yeah very you know, much so. very much so. meet a mark now this is not a podcast to say anything about our school which is going strong right now
1: yeah another thing <laughs> it's just another it, thing it, it just it recognizes that again experiences are different mm-hmm. and i've been in places where schools have been supported very very strongly and i've been in places where don't care. Mm-hmm. you know it's just it was something that happened mm-hmm. and it's no longer there and don't care. <laughs> and so again, the, the experience is, is very wide mm-hmm. um, but, but part of that though being we would be less without it. There's no question, mm-hmm. be less without that. So, so absolutely not. This has nothing to do with <laughs> you know with, with the school here. It's just it's looking at the issues you know, very broadly and and recognizing that, you know there's a value, tremendous value that it brings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Anything else on Catholic schools? Nope, not not at this point. So. Okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode and we will see you next.